Good morning. To all you mothers out there, happy Mother's Day. You're welcome. <laughs> I heard someone say thank you. That was not flippant. <laughs> um, before we get uh, into the message this morning, we're going to take a, a little detour here. Um, and it's going to require a little vulnerability on your part on a serious note. How many understand that when um, we're in relationship with Jesus, vulnerability comes with the package? How many are in a joyful denial of that? (laughs) Well, uh, in Exodus 15, uh, when the Lord is, is talking to the Israelites, he makes it known that he's the God that heals. He says, I am the God who heals. And I know that uh, many of us um, in this room are going through a variety of things and a variety of woundings and a a variety of physical challenges. And so what we want to do as a congregation is pray healing from the God who heals for those people. So this this is where you come in. If you need healing for anything, physically or emotionally, would you please raise your hand? Okay, and I want everyone to kind of look around so you can see who you're seated next to. Okay, and then what I want us to do is if you could lay a hand or extend a hand towards those people that need healing, and we are going to pray that God's presence would touch them um, in a powerful way that will bring the kind of healing he wants to bring to them. Sometimes it's not always the healing that we think it should be. So we just want God to do what he wants to do. So uh, if you'd please join me in prayer as we ask the God that heals to bring his healing. Lord, we thank you first and foremost, for who you are. We thank you that you are the God who heals. We thank you that you know every need, every desire. You know every heart intimately. So Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you would bring healing to the afflicted. The afflicted in Jesus' name. To the bodies that are out of alignment, we say in Jesus' name, realign according to God's good purpose and his original intent in Jesus' name. For those that are emotionally wounded, relationally wounded, Jesus, we ask that you begin to mend and repair. And there's always a waiting with healing. So Lord, may we be joyful in the waiting. May we not put expectation on what it should look like, but trust and faith that you're going to heal the way you're going to heal. That you're going to do what you want to do in us and through us. And where there's anxiety, fear, or worry around the ailments, around the woundings, where we say quiet and be still in Jesus' name, we pray against those things. And may we feel your presence of peace and comfort. Lord, we stand with you and with one another in your name, and ask that your will would be done in this place. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Like, where do you go from there now? We know, right back to Romans. Well, today we are going to continue uh, and finish chapter 14 in Romans. 
So if you have your Bibles and you open them out to uh, chapter 14, and we're going to start at verse 13 today. But before we do that, I want to share an experience I had. <laughs> There's this, have you been in a situation where you feel pretty good about yourself? You feel that you have a freedom to kind of just be who you are because of what God's doing in your life. You have more confidence. Who's been there? And so that confidence drives you to maybe say things you wouldn't normally say, do things you wouldn't normally do, all in the spirit of Jesus. You're not trying to upset the apple cart, but you feel, you feel good. You feel ready to go. You all know what I'm talking about? Okay. That can happen when, when we continue to step into the freedom that, that we have in Christ. And sometimes we can forget who our audience is when that freedom is being expressed. And yours truly does it all the time. When I feel freer to just be honest about everything that's going on in my life, and someone asks me, especially on a Sunday morning context, how are you doing? I will just let them know. And when you don't know the person, sometimes they kind of go, okay. (laughs) No, 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 no. You didn't need to share that. Sometimes people go, I can't unhear that. (laughs) It's like, you've just shared because you are open, you feel the freedom of God. Well, I had a a pastoral friend that wanted me to uh, come out and see him on the East Coast, and he was in a tough situation at his church, and he wanted me to covertly just kind of discern and meet these people and other pastors, and it was kind of a bigger church, and, and so I was like, cool. I said, what do you want me to do? Well, I just want you to discern, ask God what he wants to say to you, and, and in conversation with these people, say what you feel led to say, and this and that. No problem. I can do that. So I go there and spend about three or four days. I meet these people. They don't know why I'm there. Right? So we're just having conversation. I know why I'm there, and because I know why I'm there, the things I ask and the things I say were probably a little too much. I probably put on my, my foot on the gas a little too hard. But I didn't know because everyone in front of me were great actors. They did not let me know that I was probably pushing a little too hard. So I get back and Shannon goes, how's the, my wife Shannon says, how was the trip? I said, I think really good. There's some things that, you know, like, oh, this is unhealthy. And, 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 you know, and I'm giving her an assessment. But I said, I think I was well received. Little did I know, I'll never be invited back ever again. <laughs> ever again. Every conversation, my friend, my friend got back to me, and I, I, I said, how are things going? Well, I thought it went well. They don't like you, though. <laughs> and I said, really? That stinks? <laughs> because I want everyone to like me, don't we all? I mean, and then we go, I don't care. I don't care if anyone likes me. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> and so anyway, I'm just kidding. Some of us don't. Um, yes, we do. Um, <laughs> So I had to examine, now because I, I, I'm a people pleaser by nature, what do you think I did after hearing that information? I go back to every conversation because I thought I was listening to Jesus, which I think I was, but sometimes you have to know your audience and pace with Jesus in a way that allows them, the people you're talking to, to have the best opportunity to respond to what Jesus is doing. Sometimes I can take my freedom in Christ and wield it uh, too recklessly. Now, some may go, well, wait a minute. That doesn't make freedom in Christ is a good thing. We should be living that every day. I'm not saying don't live in it. 
We do have to live in it. But we'll see in our passage this morning that there are appropriate times to kind of just keep some of it to yourself so Jesus can begin to till the soil so that when it's time to say the things out of the freedom in Christ that you have, they will land the best way that they can. Now, that doesn't always happen because the recipient always has a choice. So that doesn't mean that there are times that you give a hard word and it wasn't right. There are times it's right to give a hard word. And we're trusting Jesus that it will be received the way it's supposed to be received. But when we are discerning, when we are not, let's say this, if we're not discerning our audience, we can be a little reckless sometimes. And we just have to be aware of that. Now, I believe I said what I needed to say for the most part, but I went back and I could see some places. Yeah, I probably could have held that. I probably could have held that. Oh, I probably could have let that one go or not lay it on so thick and this and that. And so then I had to let it go too because you can just go around and around and around and around, which I kind of did, but then I was like, eh, I don't care what they think. And then I went away and I went, yeah, I do. No, and then I let Jesus minister to me. It was all good. So this morning, we want to talk about this a little bit because it's very important. Because the, last, uh, the week before Tom Agam got here, we talked about um, the different levels of faith we have in our church community. Some of us have been walking with Jesus for a long time and have a certain maturity um, in our relationship with Jesus that others don't have and, or haven't developed yet. So we have to be careful in the church, God's church, his body, to not judge one another because they're not where you want them to be yet? You hear that? Because they're not there where you want them to be? Or disregard or look down upon someone. And now when I'm talking about judgment, when Scripture's talking about judgment in this passage, it's not the kind of judgment where you're having to assess a situation. Right? They're like uh, security guards. They have to assess people and they have to look and they have to take the information and they have to assess and judge what they think might be a threat. When we're talking, the judgment we're talking about is when you begin to put them in, people in a bucket that begins to diminish their value. Because when we say, oh, okay, I had an encounter with Joe and I, and, and if there's a, I know there's a Joe in here and I didn't mean you, Joe. Actually, <laughs> just, it was a, one-syllable name. Anyway, you know, it's like, now we're going to go with it. So if I say, if I say, oh, Joe is this, I'm, oof. What I've done is said that he's no longer worthy to be here with me. And I can no longer look at him the way that God wants me to look at him because I have diminished him with my assessment that I've taken in an unhealthy way. And Paul is saying, we got to stop doing that. Because the moment we start judging people in that way, then we begin to cut off the conversation that Jesus wants to have in us and through us with those people. And I'm not, I'm not solely talking about verbal conversations. I'm talking about interactions, posture. Judgment can get in our way. We are not the judge, are we? No. And we have all done it. And this is not a shaming thing. This is just us being aware so that when we are meeting and talking with people, we are aware to allow Jesus to do the judging and the work. We are called to love. And we're going to hear that again this morning. Love is the goal. Love has to be the obsession. I'm not talking about wimpy love that condones everything, and I'm not talking about an unhealthy kind of love that condemns everything in the name of Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that holding the tension love where we see the heart 
that Jesus sees, and then we become one with Jesus in a way, we partner with him in a way that Jesus can do the transformation. We are not responsible for the transformation. I cannot transform myself. Jesus does that. If I could do that, I would not need him. So for us to think we can bring transformation into people's lives without Jesus leading the ship, we are sadly mistaken. He's the one that truly transforms. We might see outward adjustments based off our influence, but it's Jesus that will transform the heart. So this morning we're going to continue, and it's kind of a long passage, so I'm just going to read it to you. I want you to relax and just receive it, and then we're going to pick a few places to land here. But I want to give you the overall context this morning. And now remember, Paul is addressing the, the conflicts about what's uh, okay, what's clean and unclean to eat, because that was a big deal according to the law. And, G- and Paul is saying that in Christ Jesus, all things are clean. It doesn't matter what you put in your body right now. It's about Jesus. And so people, people that are in that freedom are now judging uh, those who are still under the law, and those under the law are judging those who are free, but they're all part of the same faith community now because of Jesus. So there's conflict here. And Paul's trying to address that and say, it's all about Jesus, guys. It's all about Jesus. And expressing himself in love. Therefore, he says in verse 13, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Let us stop. Finito. Let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it's unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person not to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever doubts, has doubts, is condemned if they eat. Because their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. Ooh. So, let me sum this up here. Paul is using food because that is the context here, and a point of conflict, and what it represents. Sometimes we can look at this and and go, oh, no drinking booze, and no this, and no eating meat. That's that is the surfacey stuff. That's just the example of what people are giving themselves to. 
So Paul is saying, whatever it is that could cause someone to stumble, if you're not used to seeing dancing in the church, and I come in, I go, woo, like this, I'm going to make people feel really uncomfortable, and they might go, a demon is in that man, not the Holy Spirit. And now what I have done, because I think I'm free in Christ, and everyone should be like me, now what I have done is possibly put a stumbling block in front of my brothers and sisters, instead of doing that, I'm in a place, Lord, what do you want to say to me? That's really, to me, the meaning of freedom. That we have access to Christ in such a way that we can hear him, we can ask him questions, and respond to what he wants to do in us and through us. That, to me, is true freedom in Christ. Not to go, I am no longer a subject to the embedded theology I once had in the Baptist church, because I grew up Baptist, uh, where you can't dance. Now I'm going to dance, whoa, whoa, because I'm free in Christ. And everyone else is like, psycho. (laughs) I've eliminated, I've cut off a dialogue. Because we are good at judging, right? And what do you think people are going to do by that behavior? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) thank you. We're going to judge you like we are now. (laughs) And that terrible dancing rendition, no. So Paul, Paul is trying to get us back to simplicity here. If, you, if, if we've been paying attention in Romans, Paul has been trying to address everything and anything that causes attention and division in God's church and bring it right back to the main thing, which is love in Christ Jesus. And so he's addressing the stumbling blocks And he's saying, don't hang on to those in such a way that you create your own stumbling blocks in the name of freedom in Christ Jesus. Because we can do that all the time. I've been in so many different cross-cultural situations. And from minuscule things, just different denominations, to uh, outside of the country, and all this stuff. And you always have to be discerning on what God is doing. Because you don't know what your behavior will do to someone who's watching you. Now, I am not saying that your behavior is controlled by them and the expectation of people. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that we have to be focused on what he wants to say to us and not just what he, we think he would have us do because we feel more confident in our freedom in Christ. Because remember, you have these, these, uh, these Jewish Christians that are now free from the law and some of them are going to run with it. Watch me eat this pig. Bacon's good. You know, that, that's about you. That's about me. That's, that's, a, that's a selfish thing. It's like, oh, I can do what I want now. I remember when I was in college and I was on the opposite coast. Because remember, I grew up in California. Now I'm in Philadelphia. I can eat as much sugar as I want to eat. I can eat as many cheesesteaks as I want, and I did. I can do A, B, C, and D. Why? Because I have freedom, baby. But it wasn't always good for me. How many have experienced that? Even when it's good, you know, it's, it's not bad for you. It's not bad to eat a cheese stick. But once you start to take that freedom and abuse it, it's no longer freedom. It's taking you captive. And we're right back in the law because we've created a new one in our lives and call it Freedom. Freedom is Jesus' territory. We have to allow him to define it and him to lead us into it. 
and allow him to teach us how to live in it. And the beautiful thing about that is that freedom in Christ Jesus means we're no longer in control, praise God. Never were. But now we can trust, we can trust that he'll lead us the way he's going to lead us and it will always be, it will always be for the benefits of our hearts. may not always be what we want. Lord knows there are a lot of places he led me I didn't want to go. Who's been there? But then when you stay faithful to him, what happens? Oh, there's a method to your madness. I get it. Jesus actually knows what he's doing. Go figure. Eureka. And we jest about that, but it's true. It's true. And Paul's saying your only job is to love, regardless of what the people in front of you will eat or not eat. And it's not for you to try and stretch them on your own power by showing them, showing off your freedom. He says, keep that between you and God. And when God wants to release that, he'll release that. But otherwise, until further notice, keep that between you and him until he gives you marching orders. Because otherwise, we will put stumbling blocks in front of people that God wants to reach through you. Now, again... I want to be sure that this doesn't get confused. I'm not saying there won't be times that God will lead us into a situation with people where we have to model freedom in Christ. I'm not saying that. I'm saying when we go off script of what Jesus is doing and begin to take it in our own hands and make his freedom in our own image and begin to do the same thing we always did but call it Jesus. Because now we judge with justification. Now we, now we act the way we want to act with justification. Now we do what we want to do, say what we want to say. And it, it doesn't matter the intent. So that's why discernment is so key. Do you see why that's key to pace with the Holy Spirit? Because he knows. And our job is to be subject to Holy Spirit, not to tell him where to go. So Paul is making it very clear, and he says a statement. And for me, I was like, yikes. But he says at the end here, everything that does not come from faith is sin. Now, before we put our imagery to the word sin, remember sin means missing the mark. Okay? Because oftentimes my image of sin can lead me straight to shame. That's not where Jesus is trying to lead us. He's trying to get us out of that. But we have to be aware where we're missing it. And we are not walking in pace with Holy Spirit, abiding in Christ. When we are not living in and out of faith, we're missing the mark. That's not to be overly black and white or condemning. It's right there. There's no explaining that away. It's true, correct? If we're not walking with Jesus, are we on point? No. <laughs> so Paul is saying when we don't exercise our faith in the decisions we make are out of faith, we're missing the mark. And that is true. I don't always like hearing that, but it's true. And that's why grace is so important. Because we will what? We'll fail. But if Jesus was always about 
the bottom line of every action being the right one, the law would have stayed in place. He wants your heart to be transformed, which is why grace has to happen, because sin is in the world. And so he wants us to grow in faith, which is why he makes it simple, which is why Paul says that we have to act in love and be focused on love, because love in itself is Christ. And to be ruled by love is to be ruled by Christ, which is to act out and in a faith. So he keeps it simple. Stop worrying what people are doing and not doing according to what you think they should be. And no, 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 no. And focus on being, being one with Jesus in such a way that the love of God is seen in your life. That will transform their hearts. It will transform their behavior. It will do all those things you think we need to micromanage and do ourselves. We don't need to do that. We got to let him do that. So Paul's trying to address every little thing that gets in our way because it's human nature. There's a new normal in town, folks. His name is Jesus. And it's a hard one because we have to relearn. That's why they call born again. That's why. Because we have to learn a whole new way. And as adults, we're still growing, aren't we? That growth is going to continue in Jesus, too. It's no different. And so this is the tension. It's a major tension. Because when we see injustice, when we see um, things not going the way we think they should go, and, and when we have this confidence and this freedom that we've gained in Christ, and we've worked hard to like ourselves, and finally we can see ourselves through Jesus, that gives us an empowerment. And we're excited to engage the injustice in the world. And we're excited to be a warrior for Christ. We're excited to be an outpost of the kingdom of heaven. But an outpost of the kingdom of heaven is ruled by Christ. And the injustices in the world need to be engaged, but by Jesus. And now, I'm not saying we don't do that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we have to let him lead that charge. We have to allow the love of God to influence us, to drive us, to comfort us, to give us wisdom and truth. Timing. Because if we go rogue and we do everything in the name of Jesus and not with Jesus, we begin to set up stumbling blocks we don't see that we're putting up. Which is why Jesus has to be the singular focus. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Is it pretty clear it's about him? So this is something we're always going to be wrestling with, folks. This is not a one-sermon thing and then we've got it. This is something as a body we have to step into. That's why we prayed the way we did this morning for healing. I can't heal anybody. Jesus can. I can't bring comfort, the comfort that we need. Jesus can. So we as a body collectively step in and say, Lord, what do you want to say? What do you want to do? How do you want us to respond? He is the head of this body. And so our job is not to pick at every little thing we see that's off and then stretch our spiritual muscles and call it freedom in Christ. It's the pace with the Holy Spirit, which is why, it's why we have these questions. We're not a slave to these questions. We're a slave to Christ. These questions help us keep us there. 
Does that make sense? So, again, I'm going to pray protection over us not to go through every scenario where we didn't do this or da-da-da-da-da because that can take us down a, a, a really bad road. And I've been there way too often. But this is a new opportunity to be aware and to step in. Aware and step in. And God's grace is so good, it gives us space to fail. And I'm not talking intentionally going, going off hinge and just sinning all we want because we know there's grace. I'm talking about when we are really, we're really striving to be with Jesus. There are times we're not going to get it right. And his grace covers that so that we can learn and grow and be transformed. Is that not good news? That's beautiful news. So we are going to continue to step in and practice this as a body. <laughs> to, to make it about him and he alone. To sit in the uncomfortable silences when we need to. To wait when we need to wait, but do it joyfully. To say what we need to say according to what he is leading us to. And trust that, that God will bring the outcome he wants. I mean, these are all practices that we need to continue to step into because that's what he's called us to do. To be with him and go where he goes. That's a beautiful thing. But we won't always get it right. And that's okay. Because he's going to continue to transform us as long as we continue to engage him. Amen? So Lord, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your, your love. And that our only mission is to be with you and express you to other people, which would be love in motion. And love will transform. So we thank you. And I pray against shame. I pray against guilt, unhealthy guilt. Lord, I pray that we would not go the route of self-condemnation, but we go to the place of healthy conviction and say, Lord, what do you want to say now? And continue to move with you as you lead. So we thank you. And we're going to have a time of communion this morning. And again, we do it a little differently than some of us have grown up doing. We'll come down the aisles as family or friends. Or, and you'll come to the table when you're ready and, and partake. And if those of you, um, if there's some of you that uh, can't, uh, can't really get up or have a little trouble coming down the aisles, let us know um, and we will serve you communion. Um, Mark, you're doing that? Yep. So Mark will we'll come by. So just raise your hand. Okay. We'd love to serve you. So uh, as we do that, as we do that, as we come to the table, it's you and Jesus. That's the beauty of it. It's us and Jesus. So as we remember, we give thanks. We don't remember just what he did, but we also acknowledge what he's doing and that he's alive and well. And his presence is bringing healing. It's bringing transformation. And uh, it's bringing joy where it's been hard to experience joy. So Lord, we pray you bless our time in communion as we honor you and worship you and glorify you. Have your way this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died.
Jesus' face. 